This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parsha Vayera 5782, everyone. We are going to the very, very end of the Parsha. Parachav Beis Pasachav. After these things happened. After the Akedah. This is after the Akedah happened. Vayugad Lavram Lemor. It was told to Avram, saying, Hine Yolda Milka Gamhi Banim Lana Milka, your sister-in-law, Sari Menu's sister, has also given birth children to Nahor, your brother. So the Pesukim go on to tell us the names. At Chaf Aleph, it tells us there was Utz the Bechor, his brother Buz, then Kemuel, the father of Aram. Chaf Beis and Chaf Gimel tell us there was Kesed, Chazo, Pildash, Yidlaf, Besuah was the youngest, and Besuah gave birth to Rivka. Right? Chavdalad ends with Nachor's concubine, Ruma and her four children, Tevach, Gacham, Tachash, and Maacha. Clearly, Lovan is left out, even though Lovan is older than Rivka. So he should have been mentioned. If Rivka's here, then Lovan should have been mentioned as well, right? Because this was not about him. It doesn't matter. Rivka is the only one that we care about over here. It doesn't matter about the other over here. Eliezer, this is timing. Timing is everything. <laughs> no worries. And so here we go. There are so many questions to ask here on these psukim. So many questions that a person should ask over here. Number one, says the Shach, I'm going to give six right off the bat. Number one, why does it say Gamhi by Milka? She also gave birth. Hey, okay, that's nice. What's Gamhi? Number two, why do we mention that Nahor is Avram's brother if we don't mention that Milka is Sarah's sister? Right? Shouldn't we say Milka is Sarah's sister, Nahor is Avram's brother? That would be a nice thing to say. You could also say that Milka and Sarah were the daughters of Haran. Haran is also a brother of Avram Avinu. There's a lot of things that we're missing out on over here. Number three, why mention that Utz is the Bahor? Number four, why mention that Booz is his brother? They're all brothers. I mean, obviously, if they're mentioned over here, they're there. Why does that say Booz Achiv, his brother Booz? Why does that stay that way? Number five, why mention only Rivka and none of the other grandchildren? And number six, why do we care about his concubine over here, Reuma and everything? If it's really only about Rivka, then that last Pusik of Reuma with her four sons is completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. What's the point of all these psukim over here? So we have a lot over here. Rashi tells us that Avraham was coming back from Haram Maria and he thought to himself, what would be if Yitzchak would have died? If Yitzchak would have died at the Akedah, if I would have killed him at the Akedah, then they would have died without children. He would have died without any children. I would have had no grandchildren from him. So I should marry him to the, one of the daughters of Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Now, guys, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre were the friends of Avram. We met them in Parshalach They were the ones who fought. They were the ones who took care of the, the weapons of Avram when he fought against the four kings. Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre were Canaanim. They were people from Canaan, not exactly like Eliezer, but nonetheless people from Canaan. And they were good people. They had daughters who were also, assumably, very good people, not bad people. So he said that, I think... I should marry off my son Yitzchak to one of the daughters of Aner Ashkol Mamre. That's why God came along and said, no, no, no. I don't want that happening. I don't want you marrying your son off to any of the Canaan, even to Aner Ashkol Mamre's daughter. I don't want that happening. I want it to be someone from your family. So when it says, it's literally the Devarim, the words of Avram Avinu. After Avram Avinu, after that Kedah said, oh my gosh, maybe I should marry off my, my son that's when Hashem got involved and said, look, Rivka was born. Rivka's born. You have a person to marry Yitzhak off to. That's what happened over here. Now, the Chizkuni, the Mizrahi, and the Paneach Raza all ask on Rashi that usually the word achar is immediately afterward. Achare 
is a long time afterward. Rashi says that in Perak Tezvav Pasakalaf. Achar is right then, Achare is later on. Now over here, this was immediately afterward. This was right after the Akeda. It should be Achar Hadvarim Ela, not Achare Hadvarim Ela, but Achar, because it happened right afterward. And they give an answer. The answer is that Achar can mean both. It can be right after, it can be way after. Achar, Achar means immediate, Achare means both. That's their answer. That's what they all answer. The Gorari, the Arugas Abosim, explains this a little bit. The Moscow David asks this as well. He says that Avraminu thought about this all the time. This wasn't just one thought. Avraminu had been thinking for years. What if my son dies? I should marry him off. He was 37 at the time of the Akeda, 37 years old. And he wanted to marry him off. But for whatever reason, he never found a suitable wife for Yitzchak. After the Akeda is when he said, you know what? I think I should marry him off anyway. Even though I can't find a suitable wife, I think I'm going to do it. And that's when Rivka came into play. So the Achare is really that Avramun had been thinking about this for a very, very long time, but it only came into play for real by the Akeda itself. There are other answers that a person could answer over here. I, I think, I mean, everybody knows that Avramun didn't end up marrying Yitzchak to Rivka until three years later, right? Until Yitzchak was 40. So it could be that Achare, this actually happened three years later and that it's a little out of order. Either way, we have our answers. Rav Chaim Knievsky says an unbelievable thing in Tamid Akrah. He says, if Avraminu knew that Rivka was alive, then what's with the whole thing in Eliezer in next week's Parsha where he's like, go find a woman and Eliezer's like, let's see what she says to me. If she says, I will feed your camels, I don't know. Doesn't he know who to marry a moth to? HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, Bisuo gave birth to Rivka. Isn't that clear that he should be marrying Yitzchak off to Rivka? Why didn't he go to Eliezer and say, Eliezer, I've got the girl. The girl's name is Rivka. Go find Rivka. Shouldn't that be the most obvious thing in the world? So what are we playing around here? What's going on with this whole thing? And Rechaim Knievsky says, there was no direct nevuah for Yitzchak to marry Rivka. It was not a direct nevuah. It was a nevuah that your family has children and grandchildren that may be worthy of marrying Yitzchak. But it didn't say straight out that Rivka should marry Yitzchak. After all, they were very far apart in age. If Rivka's only three and Yitzchak's 37 or 40 at the time when he got married, that's a very big age gap. Rivka's 13. Perhaps she isn't going to be the right person. Akadosh Baruch who's not in charge of pushing people to be the right people to marry, even though Akadosh Baruch is in charge of Shaduchim. Rivka can make her own decisions. The idea was, there is a Rivka, and there may be others. Go find your family, and you'll find somebody for Yitzchak. And that's what Eliezer was told by Avram Vinu. I don't know who it is, but go to my family and find somebody for Yitzchak, the best you can find. And obviously, it turns out that Rivka was the one Mina Shemayim, and that's that. You should know that he brings a story from the Chazanish. The Chazanish once wanted to get a guy married at the age of 17. He felt that this 17-year-old Bachar was ready to get married. In the end, he didn't get married until 24 to a girl who was 19. Everything's Mina Shemayim. Had that boy gotten married at 17, his Bashertz was five years younger than him. 
She was 12 at the time. We don't do that nowadays. So the Chazanish said, that was my lesson, that you can't push HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan. If the plan is for him to get married at a certain time, that is the plan no matter what, no matter what's going to happen. On the other hand, Targum says, this was after the Akedah. is not after the words. It was after the Akedah. After the Akedah happened, after the Sutton told Sarai Imenu what would happen and Sarai Imenu died, at that moment, Avram was told, Rivka was born. It definitely sounds like from the Targum Yonasan that Sarah's Gilgal was in Rivka. And there are Sfarim that go into this. Rav Schwab is special. If anybody checks out the Mayan Besa Shueva, he talks about how Sarah and Rivka are connected. And he says Rivka is not literally three years old when she got married. Rivka was three years old with the Neshama of Sarah Imenu. She could have been 13, she could have been 20, she could have been 23, 33, we don't know. But Rivka Imenu got the neshama of Sara Imenu three years earlier, so it's like she was three years old. And Targum Yonason definitely hints to that over here, that Rivka and Sara were connected to one another. And the Ramban says something amazing. He says, Milka, the sister of Sara, another child of Haram, who had married Nahor, was childless, for many, many years. He says it's obvious this way. Avram Inu and Nahor were not living that far apart from one another. Ur Kasdim, where Avram used to live, and Eretz Yisrael, is only a maybe five, seven, eight day trip. It's not that far from one another. Even back then when it was hard to travel, news would travel from one to the other. If your brother had 12 children, you would hear about it. So the Ramban is medayic from this. He infers it must be that they didn't know about it because it had just happened. Milka had children at a very old age, just like her sister Sarah. And in fact, says the Ramban, there's a medrash, that when Sarah Menu gave birth, Milka was Zoha to give birth. She gave birth in the schus of her brother-in-law, Avram Avinu, which is why Avram Avinu's name is mentioned in the Pusik, Lenachor Achicha. Your brother Nachor had children at an old age in your schus. In your schus, says the Ramban. And that's why these births are only mentioned now, because they really didn't know about it. Now, it is weird, because the Ran says on the Ramban, he asked on the Ramban itself, Yitzchak had been born 37 years earlier. So if Sarimenu gave birth then, then Milka also gave birth 37 years earlier, which means they should have known about these kids up until now. And if Besuel is old enough to have a daughter, and Besuel was the youngest of all the eight children, then clearly the other kids were older also. So he asked on the Ramban, he wonders about it, but the same basic idea is there. When Sarimenu gave birth, many women who were childless also gave birth at the exact same time. And the Rabbin of Achaya just asked, he says, well, what about the concubine? What about Ruma? Why is Ruma over there as well? Shach says, she was also barren. Nahor had two wives, Ruma and Milka. And both of them were barren for many, many years. And when Sarimenu gave birth, not only did Milka give birth, but Ruma did as well. Both were able to give birth, and it was a huge miracle. That not just Sarah gave birth at the age of 90, but Milka gave birth at around the age of 90 as well. That was a tremendous loss. I, I can't even compare it to something nowadays. It would sort of be like a, you know, a great Sadekis having not had a child for many, many years. She had a child, and at that time, many women her age, who were childless, all gave birth at the exact same time. That would be a tremendous bracha, and it's because one of them did it, it opened up the floodgates, so to speak. It allowed more bracha to come into the world, and shefa that allowed all these women to be there. That's something that happened by Sarah Menu, by everybody else. So Ramosha Feinstein wonders, he says, hold on a second. 
Everything in the, is in the schus of Avram and Sarah. And because of that, Milka had children. How many children did Sarah Aminu have? Just one. How many children did Milka have? Eight. If the whole bracha that Milka got was from Sarah, Dayo Levomina Din Lios Kinadom, she should have had only one, like her sister Sarah. Why in the world did Milka have eight while Sarah only had one if it's in the schus of Avram and Sarah? That's the question that he asks. He says, it's, it's a crazy thing, said Ramosha Feinstein. How does that happen? Listen to what he says over here. He says, a tzaddik needs more than just one person in the world. I'm giving this as an example, and please don't tell me, like, this is a ridiculous example. I know it's ridiculous. I'm giving this as an example. If a tzaddik in this world needs something, then it's possible that a Kaddish Baruch who will make an entire country in order to make sure there are enough workers there to create a bunch of things so that that tzaddik can have a Walmart to shop at. I, I, I'm not saying that, what does that mean? I'm, I'm so racist that there's no other... Pe-. That's not what I mean. I mean, it's a possibility that if a Kaddish Baruch Hu has a tzaddik in the world that he needs there, and that tzaddik needs something, many other people will be created to create a world for that tzaddik to live in. They also get Olam Haba. They also could have scar for what they do. I'm not saying that those people are only living to serve the tzaddik and that's it. But the tzaddik is there and their reason for existence, the reason why there's so many other people, is because of that tzaddik itself. Which means, in theory, if Avram Avinu and Sarimenu have one child, a Yitzchak Avinu, to come into the world, Yitzchak needs all these other people around to make a world around him. So the schus of Sarah having one child caused Milka to have eight. The schus of Sarah Aminu having a child caused Reuma to have four. Because that's what a tzaddik does. When a tzaddik comes into the world, you need a world around him so other people have to be there. That's a crazy concept, but that's the idea that Ramosha Feinstein says. His hashpa was so great in the world, it caused more people to be born. And you know what that idea is? It's like, I, I, I want to extend it a little bit. Ramosha Feinstein is really saying, for every tzaddik that's born in the world, crazy bracha comes in the world along with him. Which means more people can be born and there will be more parnasa for everybody. You won't have to worry. When a tzaddik's born and we're sitting there and we're like, how are we going to be able to feed the world with so many people? We're 7 billion people now. If we keep going, how are we going to feed the world? It takes one tzaddik to bring more shefa in and then the whole world will be taken care of. And when you ask, how is that possible? It just takes a little bit of science. That Kaddish Baruch who opens up the mind of one scientist who comes up with a GMO, a genetically modified organism, that, that's totally healthy and works for everyone. And then all of a sudden, wheat sprouts out quicker than it has before. Corn is crazier than it was before. And a Kaddish Baruch who will create more parnasa because these tzaddikim need a world around them. That, that, that's the idea behind it. That's what Ramosha is saying. Ramosha is saying that's the idea behind it. And in fact, it's exactly why the king of Sodom had that miracle happen to him. In last week's Parsha, I'm sorry, with King of Sodom in this week's Parsha, a miracle happened that allowed him to escape the lime pits, right? Why? Similar to Avram Vinu escaping from the Kivshana Eish. What? That's what Rashi tells us. Avram escaped from the Kivshana Eish, so the schus of Avram Vinu allowed the King of Sodom to escape from the lime pit. How is, what, what in the world is the comparison? The idea is just this. 
allows people to decide what they can believe in because miracles happen for other people, not just for Tzadikim. If miracles only happen for Tzadikim, like it was that, I don't know, no, let's just say you're the greatest Tzadik in the world and these massive miracles are happening for you, then everybody's like, okay, well, we have to be Tzadikim because clearly miracles only happen to that. HaKadosh Baruch allows the world to run its course. There are people in this world who don't believe in a Kaddish Baruch Hu and have miracles happen to them. They'll have a miraculous thing happen to them in a hospital. They'll have a miraculous thing happen to them through a Vodah Zara. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu allows all that to be because of the Tzaddik. And then once the Shefa comes down from the Tzaddik, it spreads out and goes to everyone, even people that don't necessarily listen to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So miracles, it, miracles don't happen because we still need free will? In a way, it's almost like miracles will happen to other people in order for the world to exercise their free will, to believe that it's from the tzaddik or it could happen to anyone. When you hear of demons being exercised by exorcists that are Christians, right? How is that possible? So the way that we would think of it is it's a fake. It's not real. It's not real. But maybe it is. And because of Kaddish Baruch who wants us to have what we need to do to get rid of Shadim, they have the same thing in order to make it equal so that it's not like automatically everybody believes in Judaism, therefore he allows it to happen. It's based on, you should know, by the way, this is all based on a Gemara and a Vodazara with Zunin and Rebbe Akiva who asked basically the same question, why there's rain and why things happen like this. This is basically the same idea. Yeah, Dave. What's the basis of the like, So the Tzadik Zohar against the Mishim Yeah. Why is it rain when the person is Zohar against We don't know, but somehow that person is connected to the Tzadik. But we don't know what that connection is. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, the shefa that comes into the world somehow goes to that person. And why that person? Mistama, there's a connection. Maybe through their souls, maybe through something they'll do eventually. Whatever it is, we don't know. We have absolutely no idea. But somehow there is a connection. That's what Emotion is telling us. It's not random. It's not random. These things don't happen and you're just like, oh, a miracle happened to that guy. That person was saved in the hospital. He's a sworn atheist. And a miracle happens and he is allowed to live. It has no shaykhis to that atheist. Maybe, maybe the atheist davened to Hashem and he was answered in his prayers. It could be. But it also could be because another tzaddik, had it happened to him, he lived and that shefa and bracha was brought into the world and it's allowed to go to anyone who's connected to that tzaddik. And that atheist was also connected to that tzaddik. It's a crazy idea. But that's the basics beyond remotion. Yeah. It could be Shef Ambracha. I don't have to say, yeah, I'm saying miracles because that's an extreme. But you're right, it could be any Shef Ambracha, any Bracha. A person can become very, very rich, even though they're an unbelievable Russia, because a tzaddik needs to have that person become rich for him to live his life. Who knows? A guy, a tzaddik needs a computer for something. So Bill Gates got a ton of money. He made a ton of money and had Microsoft because he needed, somebody needed to do it. The chef had to go somewhere, so it went to him, even if he doesn't deserve it, or his wife, ex-wife. It doesn't make a difference. It went to him because of something that happened over there. It's something that happened with it. The Warachayim HaKadosh says something even more. He says, until now, this news was not told to Avraham because Yitzchak wasn't yet ready to be married. I know I'm saying something crazy here. I realize this. I'm quoting the Warachayim HaKadosh. I'm not making this up on my own. Before the Akedah, says the Warachayim HaKadosh, Yitzchak Avinu had a soul that was misitra de nukva, from the side of female. I want to be very clear about this. This is not a they situation, okay? This is a, there's such a thing as an ishama being on a side, one side or the other. There's such a thing as that. They, there's a line that I've read, but I did not see it in the actual, that the base Yosef had a soul that was misitra de nukva. He still had children, he still whatever it was. Yitzchak Avinu before the Akedah could not have children 
because of that Sitra de Nukva soul that he had. The Akedah, where there was a Tchiasamesim of Yitzchak, so to speak, Yitzchak was shechted and brought back to life, made him lose that Nishama Misitra de Nukva and gain a Nishama Misitra de Dukra from the other side, from the side of the male side, and only now could he get married to Rivka and have children. If he would have been before the Akedah and got married to Rivka, he wouldn't have been able to have children. That's the Orachayim Akadosh. And he goes on how Chesed of Avram was able to overcome the Gvura of Yitzchak, and that Chesed is the masculine idea, and that Gvura was the feminine idea, that the Chesed was able to overcome the Din and create Yitzchak into a new person, so to speak, that allowed him to have kids. So until now, we didn't know about these children because we didn't know what, need to know about Rivka because he couldn't get married anyway. Now he could. Now that's a very deep subject that I cannot tell you I fully understand. I'm quoting the Orachayim Akadosh, but it's a crazy idea. Yes, Paul? No, I, you can't hold this. It's either something that you no, know I'm saying, or you I'm don't. Avram didn't have the ability right. in Sarai, Sarai right. in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. Somehow the hay was necessary, and maybe that has something to do with it, but I don't like speculating on stuff like this. not my thing. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's in Yavamis Samachdal and Abbez, says that she was an islandess and possibly a tumtum. That's a Gemara in Yavamis Samachdal and Abbez. Avram Avinu as well says that he was a, he was a um, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, a Swiss. It says he was a Swiss, a, a eunuch of some sort, but it's not the Swiss that we think of. It's a different type of, of eunuch, but he was a Swiss Chama in some way, shape, or form. So yes, there's something, but what that means, again, we don't know. That's the Gemara over there that says it. The Rashmi Bells says, this is the Sarmi Bells, the very first Belzareva, says Avin would have been very sad to see the amount of Tuma that these people brought in the world. He wasn't told about them because if he knew that these people were in the world, he would have said, Akadosh Baruch there's so much Tuma. All these people, all these people, they're horrible people. Therefore, it was held back until he had to be told about Rivka to show that Rivka's Kedusha combated the Tuma of all these people. So Avram Avinu purposely didn't know. Now we said before, the Ramban says, he should have known about it. Why wouldn't he know about it? They lived close by. I mean, it's, well, they weren't so far away from each other. How could he not know that his brother had had 12 kids? And the answer is because until now, it was held back from Avram Avinu. He would be upset that these 12 people were born. But once Rivka was born, he said, ah, all that Tuma was worth it to have a Rivka Imenu to have the Kiddusha of Rivka Imenu involved, and that's the reason why he now found out about them. But the Barbanel says in Pshad, in Pshad, Avramino knew about this for a long time ago. He had been told this years earlier. This line is only put here because of the Akedah, and now Yitzchak's about to get married. That's why it's here. But truthfully, this telling over that he had grandchildren, you know, uh, he had nephews and nieces, right, etc., was really told to him way earlier. And that's like a push-up shot idea. Like it's over here because it fits the story narrative. But it really is before the Akedah. It happened many, many years ago that he found out that he had these nephews and these people around there. Then Nitziv asks, he wonders, Avramvinu? Avramvinu, who is willing to fight, give up his life and go to war against four kings to save his nephew Lot. He completely gave up on his family back home and he knew nothing about them until HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, by the way, you have 12 nephews. Oh, Mazel Tov. Like, he completely gave up on them? You mean to tell me that Avramidu cared so much about his nephew who was a Russia, Lot, right, who was a Russia, he did terrible things and moved to Sodom, that he went to war and gave up his life for him, but then he didn't even write them a letter? So like, hey, it's Avram, 
I'm, I'm called Abraham now, by the way, right? And I just want to know how everything's going. Do you have any kids? He never did that. He had to be told that he had them. And then Tziv says, yes. The tzivoy of lech lecha, of go away, means you have nothing to do with your family ever again. The tzivoy of lech lecha was not just stop, go to Eretzitzol and I promise you riches and everything's going to be okay. It's get away from the influence of your family forever. You're not going to find out anything about them. And if somebody from that family grows up to be a great person, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about it. You don't do anything. So that's what happened to him. The only person that he paid attention to, the only person in his family that he was connected to was Lot. Because Lot came with him. Lot went with him. Had Lot not gone with him, he wouldn't have cared, he wouldn't have cared about Lot either. That's unbelievable. Mind-boggling. The Nitziv says that's, that was, that's the idea behind it. Rabbi Victor Miller says that there was communication between them. And this is all through. He was going with the Abarbanel. They knew about this for years. He heard about this way earlier, and this is just part of it. Yes, Salman. Right. Right, but this is saying lech lecha is the lech. There's the lecha part, which you're talking about, the bracha of lecha. But then there's the lech part, and the nitziv is concentrating the lech part that he also was commanded to go and have nothing to do with them ever again. And for a person who spent his entire life trying to make gerim and giorsim and working on his family and working the people around him, for him to ditch them completely and have nothing to do with them. Uh, that's crazy. It would be like somebody telling me, you should have nothing to do with your Talmudim from Skoki Yeshiva ever again. I'd just be like, really? I mean, I would be like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm joking, right? <laughs> that, 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 it's, it, you can't do it. How in the world? You're telling me to mamish break it off completely? I'm not going to talk to any of them for the rest of my life? That was totally difficult. That was way difficult. That's the Nisayan of Lachalai saying. So you're right. You're concentrating on the Lecha part. You should go for this and that reason. But there's a Lech part that the Nitziv is concentrating on. That's what he's trying to say. So why do we need to know the names? We have all these names that are mentioned over here. All of these kids, the eight kids of Milka and the four kids of Ruma. Why do we need to know the names? Who cares? Like, well, why do we care about these names? So Rashi says, it's answered with the word Gamhi. You should know that this family was also, could have been a family of tzaddikim. Twelve is not a crazy, it's not a, a normal number. To have twelve means you have shvatim by Yaakov Inu's kids, you have twelve kids by Esav, counting depends on how you count them, you have twelve kids by Yishmael, and there are twelve kids over here by Avram Vinu's brother Nachor as well. These people have the ability to be great. They didn't do it, Rivka did it. But they had the ability to be great. They lost it. They didn't have it. But that's the idea. There's something equal about them, says Rashi. Something unbelievable about them. And that's why we know who they are. Because they had the possibility of being great. That's why we know about Yishmael's 12 kids. That's why we know about Asub's 12 kids, depending on how you look at it. And that's how we know about these 12 kids as well. There's a reason. They had a possibility of being great, and they didn't do it. The Ramban says they were all Choshev. They were clearly of people if they're mentioned in the Torah themselves, right? If Rivka would have said no, if that would have been it, Eliezer goes and he goes to Rivka and says, will you marry Yitzchak? And Rivka said, no. Then he would have gone to any of the other children, any of those other people and would have taken their daughters for Yitzchak Avinu over Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre's daughter. So the Ramban says they were special people and that's why they're mentioned over here. The Shach says every Navi in the Torah Every Navi that we see from the other nations were from Nahor's kids. Nahor's kids were every Navi among the other nations. That's an amazing idea. He said, 
Well, the two that we would know about is Eov, Eliyahu ben Barkael, who was the final one who talked to Eov and told him all the crazy things, right? That him, uh, them, and, um, and Bilam. And all three of them are going to be connected to over here, as you'll see. Now, there are some opinions that Sofer and Amasi and Eliphaz at Taimani, that they were also Nevi'im in some way. But those three are the big ones. And now we really have to go into exactly what they are. Let's explain this for a second. The Chassam Sofer says, the reason why these kids were great is not because of Nachor. Nachor is a nobody. Nachor was an absolute nobody who did not do anything great in his life that we know about. Avram Avinu we know. Sorry Avinu we know. Milka may have been great. We don't know about Milka. But Nachor was a nobody and he's not important. But Milka was the daughter of Haran. If you'll remember, Haran did one great thing in his life. We don't know exactly what it was, but in Ur costume, when Avram Avinu was thrown into the fire, Haran either jumped in with Avram Avinu and died, died, because he wasn't on the level of Avram, or was sacrificed by Nimrod because he was helping Avram Avinu. Haran was a great person. Says the Chassam Sofer, he was there for Zoha that his grandchild Rivka, or yeah, great-grandchild Rivka, Milka's son's daughter Rivka, was a tzaddikah who got to join in with Avram Avinu. That's why he was Zoha. Not only that, but the Tzidkanias, the great people. Who else was born in this family, guys? Who was Lovin's two daughters? Rachel and Leah. And possibly even Bila and Zopa. All came from Haran. It was from Haran's greatness. That's how the Chassam Sofer puts it. But the Orachayim HaKadosh, he goes on and says, Rivka Imenu's soul entering into the world brought in a lot of Tuma with it. So it's the opposite. It's not that these people were great, like we've been saying up until now. These people were unbelievably tame and disgusting. And Rivka Imenu being in the world allowed these people to be in the world and not destroy it. The only reason why they were as evil as they were is because Rivka's greatness, her light was able to dispel the darkness that these 12 people brought in. But they were all evil people. The Tzorah Morris says this as well. The 12 Shvatim of Yaakov Avinu were great. That was Chesed. The 12 people over here of Nachor, Haran's grandchildren, were unbelievably evil. And they literally combated one another. There was one up against the other. The Alshich and the Hagios Gershuni says, it's like making fine flour. If you're going to sift through the flour and come out with the absolute best flour in the bottom, which are Yaakov Avinu's children, right? Then you're going to come out with a lot of garbage on top. And this 12, these 12 people were the garbage that needed to be sifted through in order to come out with the neshamos of the great people afterward. The Alshich talks about the Yalkadar Gershuni, etc. The Ramosha Feinstein says the more opportunity that you have for evil, the more opportunity for those who are tremendous tzaddikim to do great with it. He goes into the Igritakal as well. But who were they? So I'm going to go through this really quickly. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says each one of their names represents something bad about them. Ut was named because he was a dry piece of wood, a piece of eights. Because he did not believe in Hashem, but rather made his idols out of wood. Buz was mevaze the ways of Hashem. He degraded the ways of Hashem. Kemuel got up and treated the Satan as his God. Chazu saw visions of lies. He told his dreams to people, pretending that he was a Navi, but he was never a Navi. Pildush was as large as an elephant who jumped on people with his feet. I love that. Pildush. That's great. Elephant threshing. That's a great name. I, want, I, I, I hope somebody eventually names their kid Pildush, but I hope he's not Jewish. Next, Yidlof fought against the Kaddish Baruch Hu based on the Pasuk of Mishle, Chavzayin, Tezayin, Tezvav. I didn't know why Yidlof mean he fought against Hashem. I wasn't sure. Kesed was Kishade. He was like a demon in his ways. And Besuel was known for his daughter, Bito El, or his daughter would go to the Chalik of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Balitosos say that the reason why he's called Besuel is because he was known for his evil practice of being together with girls 
girls before they got married. He did that practice. He was together with girls before they got married. So Bisuel, he considered himself a god to be with the girls before they got married. And that's why his name was like that. And the Shach all say that Utz was really Eov. Utz, this firstborn child, is really Eov. It says in Parabes, Eov was from the land of Utz. Says it wasn't from the land of Uts. Eov was the man of Uts. That's who he was. He was Uts, this firstborn child. So Eov is connected to Avram Avinu. Since he was truly a great man, he was called the Bechor. Bereshit Rabasi on page 91 says he's the father of Eov. His father's name was Uts. His name was Eov. Eov's father's name was that. But the Rokeach Baruch Vayishov says Eov was really Yovav ben Zerach. But Vasva Tesvavah says that he was Jewish. Eov was Jewish. There is an opinion over there that says he was Jewish. But either way, it could be that it was Eov. There may be a deeper idea over here that Avramina was told he was afraid of Yisurin after the Akedah. And Hashem said, don't worry, Eov has been born already. That's based on this Pesach. I'm sorry? Eov lived 200, no, Moshe. No, no, Sefer Eov may have been written by Moshe. That's what you're referring to. Yud Dalim and Aleph and Baba Basra. Yeah, the Eov, it's possible. It's possible that whoever this was, yeah. Eov is a big Shiloh. It's nine different opinions in the Gemara Babli and another six opinions in the Yushalmi when Eov lived and what he was. So there is an opinion that Eov was married to Dina and he lived during this time, etc. And then he was in Mitzrayim and the, the whole story of Eov happened while they were in Mitzrayim, etc. It's a possibility. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was able to write about it. If Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Sefer, it happened during that time. That would make sense if it was Avram Avinu's nephew, right? If it was around that time. What's the other extreme opinion from like here? Like the farthest out from He was a Jewish. He was a Jewish kid. Oh, times of Megillah. He was in the times of Megillah Sester. If I remember, that's the latest, I think, of, of anybody. He was in the times of Megillah Sester because of some word that's in Eov and some word that's over there. Ayel Shaka points out that the first... Oh, we don't have to worry about that. Yalkut Shimoni Balatav Shinsamavav and Shach says the brother Booz is really Elihu ben Barkael, the last of the friends of Eov. There were three friends of Eov that kept yelling at him. That's the whole thing of Eov. And Elihu ben Barkael comes at the very, very end and says to Eov some wondrous words that allows him to become from again, that allows him to understand what God wants from him, right? Showing the true greatness of God. Booz, his brother, is Eov's brother that convinced him to come back. That's Elihu ben Barkael. That's why he's known as Achiv right over here. The Seichel Tov and the Sefer Yashar says he was the grandfather of Elihu ben Barkael. Time it across says, Booz is called Achid because Utz died without children and Booz did Yibum to his wife and took care of his children. Now Rizal says that Eov was from a Yibum relationship, which is interesting. That means that it's Utz who came back as the child of Booz and Utz's ex-wife. Do you get it? When we say Utz is Eov, it's not literally. According to the Arizal, Utz died, his wife married Booz, and Booz, with that wife, had a child, and that child was Eov. And how we say that Yubam takes in the soul of the father, the husband that passed away, the ex-husband that passed away, therefore Eov was Utz. That's how the Arizal puts it, and it's all based on that. Unbelievable over here. So that's how the time of the crowd, that's Reb Chaim Knievsky. Then it still suggests that Booz had no nation of his own. He followed his brother, his older brother Utz to his land. That's why he's known as by his brother itself. And now Naim Latora says that they were twins. That's why he mentions Utz is the Bechor, and Booz is his brother because there were twins. Utz was the Bechor of the two, and that's that. That's the idea behind it. Okay, next. Yalkashimoni, Bolotov, Shinsam, Above, and Shach say, Kemuel was Bilam. 
Bilaam, the same Bilaam that we see later on, and that's why he lived in Aram. He's the father of Aram. That's who he was. Targum Yonason calls it the great magician of Aram, probably Bilaam. Lekakto says he was from the family of Kamuel, but not the same person. Kamuel was a great-grandfather, maybe, of Bilaam, but he wasn't the same person. There is a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says that Bilaam died at the age of 33. If he died at the age of 33, this ain't the same guy. Because this man would have lived at least 200 years, right? It would have been like that. Bracious Rabban Nun Zion says it's Lavan. It's Lavan. But that's weird because Lavan's the son of Besuel. He's not Kemuel, the son of, of Nachor. He's the son of Besuel. So it's got to be that Ksava Kabbalah suggests that Kemuel was neither Bilam nor Lavan. Lavan was the son of Besuel. Bilam was 33 and he died. Instead, he was the root of evil that Lavan and Bilam learned from. Kamul was this evil guy who was a magician in Aram who taught Bilam and taught Lavan their evil ways and they ended up learning from Kamul, but not that Kamul was literally Bilam or Lavan. That's how the Ksavah Kabbalah puts it. Isn't that amazing, by the way? Those three people right there, they're all there. And by the way, if you look at the Psukim, Chaf Aleph has all three of them together. All three of them are in the same Pasuk. It has Uts, Buz, and Kamuel, they're in one Pesach. Everybody else is in another Pesach because those are the three Chashev ones. Those are Eov in some way, um, Eliyu ben Barkael, and what's it called? And Lavan slash Bilam. That would be the idea behind it. Kesed, I would assume that Kesed is the progenitor of the Kasdim, the Babylonians. I would assume that's where Kesed comes from. It makes a lot of sense to me. Ravari Kaplan says it. I think that makes a lot of sense. The Shach says the names of the concubines' children of Reuma were all rebelliousness. They were the exact opposite of Avram's Mida of pure Chesed, and the names represented. Now, he doesn't explain why, but listen to this for a second. He says, Reuma was known for her children being murderers, adulterers, and worshippers of idols. And they would say, Reuma, see what she gave birth to. That was her name. Tevach was a murderer. Tevach means to slaughter. Gacham would mutilate their bodies afterward. I'm not sure what exactly you get from the word Gacham and why it means that way, but that's how the Shach says it. Tachash worshipped idols and tricked others. I guess the Tchashim is what they used as the skin on top of the Mishkan. And Ma'acha was involved in Arias. The word Ma'acha is used for Arias and Yecheskel. We don't need to go into that. The Panach Raza says normally Sadikim. It says by them, Ushmo Mordechai. Everybody knows that from Megillus Esther, right? By, by them, it says Ushmo and then their name. Rishayim, it says their name and then it says Shmo. It says Shmo afterward. So what's funny over here, it says Ushma Reuma. Her name was Reuma. That means she's at Sadekis. We've just been saying she's evil, but it seems like she's a tzedekis. So the Panach Raza says, maybe that rule can't be said over here. Maybe that's something completely different, especially because her name, she was named after Ra'im, which is a name they use for demons, etc. So he says, maybe that's going to be here. But there is a, an opinion in the Bali Tosos that Ra'uma was a very chashuv woman. Although we don't know where her children were, he says that. Pardes Yosef quotes a Zohar and Truma. Listen to this. You know what I said? You look at this and he had... Nachor had eight children from Milka. And then it said, and his concubine, whose name was Reuma, had four more children. The Zohar says, Avraham had a concubine named Reuma, and he had four children with her. It's not talking about Nachor. The last Pasuk is talking about Avraham Avinu. And Avraham Avinu had Four wives, Sarah, Hagar, Keturah, and Reuma. Ever heard that before? 
There's even a measure that says he had five wives. He doesn't quote the fifth one. But this is the Zohar's opinion over here. And the Balei Tosos say that she really was a great woman. And she's only mentioned at the end because Avraminu got married to her before he married Keturah at the end of next week's Parsha. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Okay, so it goes on. The Baal Shem Tov says that Ruma stands for Anava Psula. Like a person who is who very proud of their false humility, showing others how great they are. A pilda, pildash is something puzzle. Ruma sees, look what I can do. But if you do that, if you go around telling people, look what I can do, look how great I am, look how great of a person I am, then in the end, tevach, you'll be slaughtered by your own Yetzirah. You'll be taken down by that Yetzirah. He says, um, there's, he gives a muscle to understand this, and he says the following. He says, there was once a man with great milas, all the meters he can think of. He was a very, very great person, but he was also a big Balgaiva. So the world went up to him, and they told him, listen, we know you're great. We know you're a great person, but you have to be an awesome Balgaiva. Okay? If you work on your Gaiva, right, then you're really going to be the greatest person in the world. This guy said, okay, I'll do it. He worked really hard on his Gaiva, really hard. And five years later, he felt he had mastered it. So five years later, a guy comes up to you, starts arguing about something. He says, do you know who you're arguing with? You're arguing with the greatest person in the world. I've worked on my Gaiva. I'm now the greatest person ever. Clearly, he didn't work on it. Says the Baal Shem Tev, that's exactly what happens when a person has false humility. He doesn't even realize what he's being Gaivitic about. And he sounds like a fool. Everybody looks at him and he's like, oh, what's wrong with you? But he doesn't realize what's going on. And that's what this passage is referring to over here. Now, I will tell you, the Meshach Chachma says that Macha, the very last person mentioned here, Macha, the last child, is a girl, not a boy. Macha is not a male name, a girl name. So really, Nachor had 11 boys in one girl. I have no idea where the Meshach Chachma comes up with that. Everybody else says that it were 12 sons. Nobody says it's 11 sons and a girl, but he says that. And he asked the question of the Meshach Chachma, why not take Macha as a wife for Yishmael? Now, I understand for Yitzchak, you have Rivka, but why not take Macha for Yishmael? And he says, since Yishmael, and also it makes sense because Yishmael was from a concubine and Macha was from a concubine. And he says, since Yishmael was not part of the bris of Avram Avinu, therefore Avram Avinu didn't feel the need to marry off Yishmael. And in the end, Hugger married off Yishmael. Avram Avinu was not involved in Yishmael's, Yishmael's wedding. So maybe that's why, but it's super strange. Ravari Kaplan seems to say that it's a nation, etc., but I'm going to end with this. Do you know when we say these psukim? Not just in Parshas Vayer, obviously. When do we lane these psukim? At a super weird time. It's a whole, it's an actual aliyah. Do you know when we lane this? Sec, very good, Ariel. Second day of Rosh Hashanah. What in the, the Akedah, I get. I get why we do the Akedah. Why is this the fifth aliyah? It's an entire aliyah. Why is this the aliyah? So he says it's because ma'acha. Says the Sefer Matamim, ma'acha stands for melech al kol ha'olam. Mem ayin chaf hey. Melech al kol ha'olam. It's the last word of the Parsha, of Parsha's Vayera. And that's why we lay it on Rosh Hashanah to remind ourselves that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is the king over everything. And then he says, there are three preparations that we have to do on Rosh Hashanah. Tevach are the korbanos, the avodah we have. Gacham stands for gemilus chasodim. Gacham, gimel chasmem is gemilus chasodim. Isn't that cool? And then he says, Tachash was used as the cover of the Aron Kodesh by the Mishkan. That's Torah. That's on top of the Aron Kodesh. So the three avodas that we have are Tevach, 
Gacham and Tachash, Avoda, Avoda, Gemilos Chasadim in Torah, and that leads to Ma'acha, Melech Kola Olam. Is that an unbelievable answer? Rav Schwab talks about this, and Munasi Techa, the Rav, Rav Schwab, uh, what's it called, uh, Rav Wolfson, but I'm going to end with this. I have 30 seconds. Rav Deslow is a famous idea about the second day of Rosh Hashanah. That on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, you're davening for Hashkacha Pratis, every individual for things that will happen to you, as if you're the tzaddik, you're the reason for the world. And on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, we daven for Hashkacha Klolis. You daven for everybody in the world, just in case you need something in the world. Listen to this. If this is the second day of Rosh Hashanah that we lane this Parsha, we do these Psukim on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, then it could be that there are certain people that exist in this world that are only there for the tzaddik. Remember how we talked about that before, Ramosha Feinstein's Chiddush? Maybe that's the reason why we lane it on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, because that's the day where we call Hashkacha Klalis, where the whole world has to be there possibly for just one tzaddik. And therefore we have these names and all these people. Why do these people exist? Why do we need to know about these people? You know why? Because Hashkacha Klalis. Once you have a tzaddik in the world, everybody else exists because of that tzaddik. All because of Rivka Yimenu. Maybe that's the concept behind it. So use that Ramosha, apply it over here that we said before, use it over here. I think that's an unbelievable shot. I didn't see it anywhere, but I think it's an unbelievable shot why these two come are laying in Rosh Hashanah. Shkayach, everybody.